0: Hallelujah! Amen. Glory to God! Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Say something. Let the people on the uh, listening to the podcast know that there's a church here that I'm preaching to. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, children, nice to see y'all. God bless you. Y'all look lovely. My goodness. Look at the beautiful little Easter dress already. hope you got another one. Or you can wear that one again next week. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 1.18, the King James says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that are perishing foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Put your ribbon in John chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. Father, thank you for this time together with your children. Thank you that we have the health and the mental capabilities to seek you and to serve you and to know you. We thank you that you are the provider of every good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And we thank you that you are the giver, the lover. We thank you for teaching us how to love Lord Jesus by giving of yourself so perfectly. Help us to learn and grow, learning more about that perfect gift and about you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This time of year, one of the scriptures I always referred to is Luke 9.51 says, as the time approached for him, for Jesus to be taken to, to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Had his mind made up. Have you ever read Isaiah 53 that says all the terrible things they did to him? How it describes his mutilated body and what they did to him? Isaiah 53 was a scripture that he had access to in his life. (laughs) He knew these things were coming. But he set out resolutely, blinders on, to go to Jerusalem for his destiny. Psalm 138 says what he was saying. In his mind. In his heart. Is that the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy O Lord endureth forever. Forsake not the work of thine own hands. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I want to tell you that God always desires. And is willing to accomplish everything. That he has for your life. That he has written and planned. And it is good. Unlike the psalmist in this old covenant scripture, Psalm 138, 8, who seemed to believe that God was good and that he would perfect things which concerned his life, he also felt the need to ask God not to forsake him, didn't he? As new covenant believers in Jesus Christ, though, he has promised he will never leave us or forsake us. And that it is His desire that we be saved. And that we be in good health and prosper in every way. Even as our souls prosper. We're not like those who lived under the old covenant. We have a better covenant with better promises. Now that Jesus has come. Now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out for us. But at the same time we have to understand that God doesn't use His sovereignty. I mean, God is the alpha male. God can do anything, no doubt. But He does not use His sovereignty to control every detail of a believer's life. And preachers that preach that whatever happened, that was God's will, that's a lie from the devil. You have a part to play. It's a relationship. If you got married and then just decide, well, I'm just going to sit here from now on, (laughs) <laughs> how would that go over? <laughs> there are things that are expected of you, things that are necessary for for on your part. You know, if it's one-sided to the core, that it might work for a little while. Well, that person's going to get real, real tired and bitter after a while. That's right. I want to tell you that we have to cooperate with God. And it's his desire that we do and Not only that, he provides all the tools that we need. The power that we need to do that. The wisdom that we need. Everything comes as a byproduct of the relationship as we press into him and learn and grow. Jesus walked in great victory and power and peace, didn't he? Anybody that could set out resolutely to go to where they were going to do these terrible things to him, knowing exactly what was going to be done. And that's something. That's supernatural. Mm-hmm. He, he had problems, didn't he? In this life, he, he was born to die. He's the only one born to die. You know? I used to know a bunch of bikers that acted tough and rough and like that. Oh, born to die. You don't know. No, you weren't. You were born to live. If you don't change your ways, you're going <laughs> to experience death in a, did. In, a, in, a, in, a, in a jail cell filled with flames for all eternity. But, just thinking about Jesus today. 30 years old. Heading to Jerusalem. Ministering the love of God all along the way. To people who rejected Him. And were soon to kill Him. He trusted that God would perfect those things which concerned Him. And He certainly did. Because of that trust though, He had in the Father... The amazing relationship and bond Jesus had with the Father. He lived a life of faith. He lived a life of total faith. in what God said and what the Word said about Him. And this is our objective. Looking at our purpose today. We look in on the life and ministry of Jesus. And His journey to the cross. But we're growing and strengthening our relationship with Him on the way. We're walking with Him. We're we're seeing Jesus. And as we behold, as we look upon and meditate and magnify Jesus and the life of Jesus, we're becoming more and more like Him, aren't we? Isn't that what we talked about last week? Yes. Glory to glory. We're being changed into His image. This is uh, Palm Sunday. A lot of people may not really understand what that's all about. But... Four to five hundred years prior to Jesus' birth. Again, these are scriptures that Jesus had access to. Um, Before he arrived in Jerusalem for this last week to fulfill his destiny, Zechariah had prophesied about this event. and, And that's what we now call Palm Sunday. He said, He said in the in his prophecy, he said, Rejoice greatly daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was Zechariah 9.9. Now, this prophecy was fulfilled in every particular. And it was a time of rejoicing. Oh, man, the people were glad. Not just his disciples, but he had lots and lots of fans and and, and people that were really there to celebrate him they took palm branches and they lined the streets they, they, oh man they were shouting for him unfortunately the celebration wasn't going to last though was it the crowds just like today so carnal Only natural things could they fathom. They were looking for a Messiah, a Savior, who would rescue them politically and free their nation from bondage. But Jesus had come to save them spiritually. First things first. Mankind's primary need is spiritual. We are spiritual beings, not political, not cultural, not just patriotic, national beings. Those things are fine in their place, but not when you exalt them above the spiritual being that you are and the necessity of your salvation and the relationship with Jesus first. And Jesus came to provide that. He said in John 12, 24, He said, verily, verily. Whenever Jesus says, verily, verily, He's like, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Come on, listen to me now. <laughs> it's just sad that God has to say that to us. <laughs> Everything He says is the truth. But I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, It abideth alone. But, if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 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 So, we're in John 12 today. I love it. Jesus compared his death to the planting of a seed. I love planting things. I haven't kept my vegetable garden for the last couple years, but I'm always planting everything. Trees flowers and i do have some vegetables coming up but like a seed jesus said he was gonna be planted in the earth and he would rise again and bring forth much fruit many people like him you he's talking about that's you you know that that's what he meant He was comparing His death and resurrection to a grain of wheat being planted in the ground. A grain of wheat, it has to go in and it it dies by being planted in the ground before it can grow and produce more wheat. And Jesus was also going to be laid in in the ground in a tomb for three days. But just as that single grain of wheat finds new life through its death and multiplies itself Many times over so Jesus also would rise again and bring many others with him from death unto life. Glory to God. Now, look how Jesus spoke about this, this seemingly terrible situation, made it positive. Knowing what he was facing, he always talked positively about it. Again, this is supernatural. Supernatural. And that's what we should do, by the way. But, but how did he do that? He, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about you. First of all, he has this amazing relationship with the Father. And he, he trusted him perfectly in all that concerned him. Just as you can today. My wife and I were talking about this just Yesterday. Oh, how much easier if we just agreed with God regarding everything, even the things we don't understand or the things that might hurt a little, if we just line our lives up with His Word and just agree with Him to see the blessings that would come and, and how much less stressful this life would be. Hebrews 12 2. Jesus said, Look, or the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Glory to God. He, was, he knew what was coming, but he wasn't naturally minded. He wasn't carnally minded. He... He knew this world was just a serving ground. His home was in heaven and He was trying to get us all there with Him. Amen? He looked past the cross, despising the shame of being hung, suspended between heaven and earth, naked and beaten and brutalized and spit upon. He looked past that, seeing you in His future. He says, it's worth it. It's worth it. John 12, starting at the first verse. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Everybody knows I love Bethany. We're going to talk about it. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. How would you like to go see your buddy? How much do you think he would love you and, encur- and welcome you into his home if you had raised him from the dead? <laughs> <laughs> Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Can you just place yourself there? Smell that wonderful fragrance. Passover is a Jewish festival. And it commemorates the Jews being freed from slavery in Egypt. The word Passover comes from the fact that when Moses was in Egypt to get the children of, of Israel, his people out of bondage under God's direction this time, instead of like he had tried it forty years ago in his own strength and failed. He was eighty now, and now he was he was submitted to God, so he was powerful. God had commanded the death angel to go to every house in Egypt and kill all the firstborn males of each household or family. God inflicted ten plagues, didn't he, upon the Egyptians before Pharaoh would release the slaves. But the tenth and the worst of these plagues was the death of the Egyptian firstborn. And the Israelites were instructed to mark the doorposts, the lintels, and the doorposts, of their homes with the blood of a slaughtered lamb. A spring lamb. And upon seeing this. The death angel would pass over. The firstborn of these homes. You see. So we call it Passover. And when, when Pharaoh. Let the Israelites go. They left in such a hurry from Egypt. That they couldn't put yeast. Into the, the, the dough. To allow the bread to rise. They didn't have time. So they made it without yeast. That's the unleavened bread, and so in commemoration during this Passover time, no leavened bread is eaten, and that's where you get the 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 matzah, the flat unleavened bread. I love it. (laughs) Wish I had some. (laughs) I haven't been eating bread since March the third. Really lost seventeen pounds. Got a ways to go. Eighteen. Sorry, a ways to go. I didn't get on board. Yes, you can do it. We'll do it together. But this is this is one of those things from the Old Testament. They were just shadows, just types and shadows of what was to come. Jesus. And our story today is about to fulfill all these Old Testament types and shadows by becoming the Passover Lamb of God. Sacrificed so that we can be free. Delivered from bondage and welcomed into our eternal promised land. Amen? Amen. Enter into the rest that He's provided. And that starts now, by the way. This rest, which is knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. We, the reason we can do this, why? Because just like the just like the Israelites in Egypt, we have sprinkled or placed the blood of the Lamb of God on our our heart, our spiritual um, mantle, as it were. And what the Word tells us is a spiritual house in which God dwells. That is what our bodies are now. Amen. And so you see the shadow, the type and shadow having come to fruition and what we now enjoy is our salvation because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So here comes Jesus. It's almost time for him to fulfill all this. He arrives in Bethany where Lazarus lived. It's just a a little tiny little town just right there on the east side of the Mount of Olives. Walking distance. Jerusalem is on the the west side of the Mount Olive. So it's about a mile and a half. That's what John says. Less than two miles. From Jerusalem. And Lazarus' family. They lived there. Jesus' friends. they, They were the ultimate in hospitality. And they just loved Jesus. They were his real friends. They just accepted him. And loved him. Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. We first met Martha, remember when she was, Jesus was passing through their town once before. He had opened, they, they had uh, made dinner for him that time as well. But Martha and Mary disagreed about some things, didn't they? Mary was doing, Martha was doing all the work and, and uh, she complained to Jesus because Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. And Jesus took Mary's part. He said, no, she's chosen the better. Then another time Jesus had raised Lazarus, their, their brother, from the dead. And that's in John chapter 11, just one chapter before this, a couple of months prior actually to where we are now. And now, and, and because of it, they've been trying to kill Lazarus too. <laughs> hey man, all I did was get raised from the dead. What are you going to kill me for? <laughs> already died once. <laughs> this was a place... I'm trying to paint a picture for you. It's a place where Jesus felt comfortable. We talk about Jesus being our Lord, but to really appreciate his lordship in our lives, we need to take a look at his humanity. His thoughtfulness. Remember the woman at the well who was so rejected in her society for the things and choices she had made in the life she was living how Jesus was so kind and loving to her his resolve to accomplish the father's will was just amazing we need to look at the things that he took pleasure in his ministry, his loving his healing, his pain Jesus had a, a lot of false friends but not in Bethany And Bethany, he was amongst friends. People who honored and respected him. He could relax there. He could get the rest that he finally needed. And be loved. Just as he loved in this place. My sister just moved from Dallas back to Comanche, Texas. where, Where her husband's family, some of them live. They lived there before, and then they moved back because my sister has two daughters in Dallas, you know, and one of them has a baby now and just had another baby a couple days ago. And so she wanted to be there, but after a lot of heart searching and everything, they decided to move back to Comanche. And she was really struggling with going. I talked to her. It was about 11 days ago before they moved. And she was saying, you know, she you know She said, "I just, um, I'm gonna miss the kids." She goes, "But it's like we're not here now. You know, we don't see them now. They don't come and visit us, and it's like we're just, you know, they they have to once in a while, but that's the only reason they ever come to see us. And if we're not, if you're not in his family, then you know, then then you know, you're really not included in their lives. And and in Comanche, where where, um, where her husband's." Family lives, she goes, they really like us there. You know? They, they they love us, they actually come to see us and they really like us. I said, sis, you need to stay where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. That's right. Remember that, John? <laughs> yeah. And and then I talked to her yesterday, and they've been there for ten days, and she said. She said, oh, it's wonderful. Everybody come to see us, and everybody's here every day. Somebody comes, and we're just having it. It's a great new place we live in. And she goes, and Gary's in the background, tell him, tell him, tell him about the saying. Tell him about the thing. And she goes, oh, she goes, you know what got me through this? Because I really struggle with moving. She goes, but what you told me about going and staying where I'm celebrating, not where I'm tolerating. (laughs) She goes, we're really celebrating here. We love it here. They love us. I said that's good for you. You stay there. I said you probably see your kids more now that you move far away. (laughs) But every man and woman need needs this. They need a Bethany in their lives. You know? We all need to be loved. We're we're created in God's image, who is love, and He's ultimately the source of that love. But women's number one Need is to feel safe and protected and loved. And a man's number one need is to be respected, honored, loved. Without those things, neither male or female will really prosper or be all they they can be. So in Bethany, Jesus had all these things, you see. He was free to, to... To be himself and not to be criticized. No rejection, no betrayal, only love. Welcoming, arms, smiles, good friends, friendship. The food sounds good too. I'm sure Jesus was tired. He had, you know, he never went more than, I don't know, 30, 50 miles from his home. But uh, he walked everywhere he went. (laughs) And he stayed busy. (laughs) I don't know he was tired. Plus all the things on his mind about the things he was about to endure. I'm sure he needed this. He needed this. Mm -hmm. So here he is, tired from the journey. Heading toward what he knew would be his own brutal treatment and and death. Yet for a moment he gets to to relax and, and, uh, and be celebrated a little bit. There's someone there named Simon the leper who we only hear about once. This one time. He lived there in Bethany. He's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, but I'm I'm sure in my heart that he's a man that Jesus had healed from leprosy in the past. Because they call him Simon the leper, Jesus wasn't going to be at a leper's house having dinner without having healed him. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's one of Jesus' loyal friends now and followers as well. In any case, the story takes place at a feast in honor of Jesus, at Simon the leper's house. And if you take the accounts of Matthew and Mark, along with the account that John gives here, you'll see that Jesus arrives in Bethany six days before the Passover, and then two days before the Passover, they have a feast for him. And basically, showing their love and appreciation, their respect for him. See, he'd been going back and forth to Jerusalem, teaching and and so forth and really they're giving him this send off the send off to jerusalem for the last time where he would meet his destiny i'm sure they didn't they weren't aware of this even though jesus talked about it all the time people seemed oblivious to the truth of the matter but he was about to suffer and die on the cross for us so here we are in bethany this dinner for jesus at simon the leper's house and just picture it Simon sitting there at the table. He'd been healed of leprosy, this terrible thing. Lazarus was there, reclining at the table also, whom Jesus had brought back from the dead. The disciples were all around. These these are men that have been with him for three and a half years. They had seen tons of miracles. John says, if I told you everything he did, you couldn't put it in the books. Blind eyes open, food multiplied to serve thousands out of a, a little boy's sack lunch, basically. The widow's son raised from the dead. The woman with the issue of blood for 12 years just completely healed, made whole. Jesus walking on the water in the middle of the night, calming the sea. A couple of them had been with him upon the mountain of transfiguration they heard the Father talk to Him. Moses and Elijah were there too. Back from the dead. They were there ministering with Jesus. And the Father spoke. And they're all sitting there witnessing this. It goes on and on. And then there's Mary. Mary's there. Lazarus' sister. This is the third encounter that we've had with her in Scripture. She, The first time I remember, she was hollering from the other room uh, uh, because Martha was hollering at her from the other room to to get Jesus to make her help her but she's just sitting there with Jesus she adored him Mary just sitting there listening he said to Martha you know you you worry about many things but only one thing's really needed and and Mary has chosen correctly remember that it will not be taken from her I noticed he never had to correct Martha on this again. And she was still serving at this dinner we're talking about. So there's a place. But she had gotten it right. She knew to put him first. The next time, Mary was there when her brother died. And she was brokenhearted when Jesus arrived. What seemed to be four days late. Lazarus was dead in the tomb, rotting. And Jesus was looking for Mary. It says... She ran out to him. And again she fell down at his feet. Lord if you had only been here. If you had only been here. She said Lazarus wouldn't have died. But Jesus. When she cried. Jesus cried with her. That's that's where the Bible says Jesus wept. John 11.35 Well. He raised Lazarus from the dead that day didn't he? And Now. Here we are, about two months later. Lots of history between everyone now. Jesus saying he's about to go meet his destiny, and here, here's Mary again with a with a with a big what what would have been a, an alabaster jar, like clear or, or translucent, even colored maybe, depending on the minerals in the alabaster that that comes from caves. She had this flask of of perfume. It would have been a long, narrow bottle. And and when you break the top off of it, you use the oil or the perfume that was in it. And this was very expensive nard, they called it, from the mountains of India, you see. She paid a lot of money for this. Now, it was customary at religious feasts in that day to anoint people with oil But Mary came and poured what amounted to a year's wages of this oil. She poured it out right on Jesus' head. That's what it says in Matthew and Mark. And also on his feet. That's what it says here in John. And then she wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with this beautiful fragrance. You can only imagine. And then people, mostly the disciples, actually... They started to criticize. Criticizer for this. It says in Matthew 26 verses 8 and 9. When when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying to what purpose is this waste? Waste they called it. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. This was Mary's beautiful gesture of love and respect and honor. She didn't care what others thought of her. I think Mary really got what was going on. And she loved the Lord Jesus so much. She was so grateful to the Lord that she wanted to show her appreciation. Her affection. But it says they were indignant. And it hurt her feelings. I'm sure. Can you imagine? In Matthew's account it says when Jesus understood it. It means when he realized what was going on, what they were doing to her. He said, he rebuked them. He said, why do you trouble her? Leave her alone. says this, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mm -hmm. What a legacy. Mm -hmm. Says then one of the twelve, this one was Judas Iscariot, his betrayer. Went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. To betray Jesus. You know, Jesus, he Judas, he didn't care about the poor, did he? He was a thief. Is that what it says? Right here in this chapter, John 12, 6. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he was the treasurer for the ministry. Having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. He'd been stealing all along. Jesus knew it too. He made this this pious statement to mask over his true motives, didn't he? He was hypocrite. (laughs) he was a liar satan is the father of lies of course and a lying stealing character opens the door for satan to come into the lives of people those who don't love the lord are always critical of those who do but we need to be so aware of god's presence in our lives aware that That Jesus is always with us. Will never leave us or forsake us. That things people do and say don't bother us. We need to get to the point where we say. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Those who do not believe. Do not understand. The Bible says it's foolishness to them. This preaching of the cross. All this trouble from all these Muslims in the world today. These radicalized people. You know in that faith that they believe that Jesus was a prophet and a good man they say. It doesn't add up because then they want to kill his followers. But they don't believe he died on the cross. They don't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. God wouldn't have one of his prophets hanging on the cross. They just use their own natural reasoning you see. And so what's left? If you don't have the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you, if you don't have a Savior, then you have to earn your salvation. You'd be mad too. <laughs> Every religion in this world is trying to earn their way to God. Except for Christianity. Who has a Savior. Who's provided salvation as a free gift. For all those who put their trust in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus said what he said when he realized that Mary they were giving her a hard time, he, he got on to them. And I tell you, the Lord is watching. The Lord is aware of every one of his of his children. And if you're being persecuted for his name's sake, you should feel honored, really. I know it's not easy to endure at the time, but in the days to come, you may feel more of this oppression, the way things are going. And you need to realize that He's with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. And don't don't, don't stop. Don't stop serving Him. Don't stop believing and trusting in Him. It's really an honor to suffer this persecution for His sake. That's what they said in Acts 5 when Peter and the other apostles... Uh, they were, they were persecuted, they were told not to preach in, in the name of Jesus, and they said, we must obey God rather than human beings. Remember that? The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him, So they called the apostles in and they had them beaten for this. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then they let them go. Well, what does it say in verse 41 of Acts 5? The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing just having been beaten. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped teaching and preaching the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped. Uh, yeah, but you say, but the Bible says we're supposed to submit to the uh, governing authorities and 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 uh, the best we can. Yeah, but not when it comes to disobeying God. <laughs> He's first, you see. I'm going to read a little bit more from John 12 here, starting at the 7th verse. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Then, oh look, there were some others there in, in Bethany. These weren't friends either. John 9, John 12, verse starting at the ninth. Crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, when they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign so the pharisees said to one another you see they are that you are gaining nothing look the world has gone after him now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some greeks so these came to philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I'm going to stop there. You know, I I just love John chapter 12, and it's not uncommon that I just keep reading, and I'll, I'll do that today if I'm not careful. But... You're looking at the humanity of Jesus here. It makes me just love Him more and more. And it should you too as you open up the Scriptures and you you allow God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal Jesus life to you and you get to know Him better and come closer to Him. It gives me a greater model for my life. And that's what we're all supposed to do. What amazing Lord and Savior we have. Amen. His resolve to do God's will so that we would be saved. His compassion, his sensitivity, his wisdom, his love. Who do you see yourself as today in this at this dinner, at this meal they were having at Simon the Leper's house? You see yourself, ladies, as, as Mary? Adoring the Lord? Sitting at his feet and learning from him. Putting him first before all the other things that you have to do. Giving him all your admiration and love. Maybe there's some Marthas here who just caught up in trying to serve him and others in, in life. And you just wearing yourself out to try to get everything just right. Just to find out that what you really need to do is continue serving if that's your gift but to take a lesson from Mary and learn to just sit at the Lord's feet and let him minister to you I'm 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 probably one of the Simon the lepers I'm so glad to to be healed of this plague of of leprosy being forgiven and cleansed and bought with his redeeming blood amen amen No matter who you are in this picture, He loves you. You know? He loves you so much. He has great things in store for you. But all the things that He's provided, all the things that He's written for us, I say it over and over again, they don't just happen automatically. There are spiritual laws governing the blessings and the plans that God has for us. And we have to learn to participate and agree with God. Amen? I know we don't have any Judas's here today, thankfully. But some of us may have been at one time, you know, just hypocrites, completely self-absorbed and greedy and jealous and selfish. But the only reason I bring it up is because I want to tell you, Judas could have repented. He had many opportunities to do that very thing. That's why Jesus never said anything to him while he was stealing from him all the while. We can always have a moment. We can always have an encounter with God as long as we're drawing breath. That's why God has put off Jesus' return. Because He's patient with us, not wanting for anyone to perish. Jesus died for all of our sins. Just like He did for Lazarus and and Mary and Simon There were some religious leaders there that day too. Big crowd. Looking down their noses. Setting their ways. And their ideas of what religion should be. Comfortable. Not wanting anyone to disrupt the apple cart as it were. So hard hearted that they rejected the son of God. Knowing he was from God. They plotted his death. They were more afraid that Rome would discipline them and ruin the good thing that they had going there if they allowed Jesus to continue working miracles and causing a stir. So they had him killed. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. We all have struggled with this and we still do whether we recognize it or not. But... but If we just full out live for God and for His truth and His ways and realize that everyone we see and know, including ourselves, the spiritual needs are way, 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 way more important than anything natural or of the flesh, then we'd get a lot more ministry done. We would help a lot more people. I know people that have struggled with this man-pleasing spirit. They're so afraid That someone's going to be upset or offended. And that's really not a bad quality. Except when it interferes. With God in your life. I quoted this passage. From this verse from the uh, Casting Crown song. That I really love. Because you are loved. If your eyes are on the storm. You'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to those of us that are being saved, it's the power of God. Father, thank you for your precious word, for teaching us today, for giving us a glimpse into Your beautiful life, your dedication, your service, your bravery, and to your friendships and your hardships. Thank you, Father, for loving us and helping us to keep our hearts open to you, to be mindful of you all day, every day that you give us, knowing that the time is short for your imminent return and eagerly awaiting your return. Not to be fearful of man and what they can do to us. But to know and and trust in the fact that you are with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. That we are kings and priests forever. In the kingdom of God. Children of God. Who will live and reign with Jesus Christ. Who will judge angels. Thank you, Father, for helping us to see the power and authority that we have in Christ and to know that our words are powerful and that we need to speak life into every situation and circumstance and never, never negative or death, never allow the enemy to have his way in us to get us to create things for him. We will only speak the love and blessings of God based on the perfect redeeming power of the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. For us and for the many. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.